Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Her Community 2 podcast. We have another episode of Meet the Candidate. Tonight we will be talking to Ed Flood. He is running for New York State 4th Assembly District. This is Her Community 2 podcast. We are your hosts, Catherine and Alexa. And now we begin. Hey, my co-host, Alexa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I don't think I told you too much about this uh, episode that we're taping. Do you know what we're doing? No. Who we're talking to? No, not at all? Hmm. Okay. What kind of... uh, Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a hint. He's a candidate. New York State Assembly... (laughs) But not in the 6th District, the 4th District. Yes, and that is Mr. Ed Flood. How are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Very, very good. So, you are running for the 4th District. Now, can you tell us specifically what areas that cover? Sure. So, it covers all of Stony Brook, Port Jefferson, Port Jefferson Station, East Setauket, Setauket, um, and then, then we have parts of Mount Sinai. Quorum, Middle Island, um, Gordon Heights, Selden, Center Reach, and a very, very small part of Lake Grove. Wow, that sounds pretty big. Yeah, it it, it makes up about 130,000 residents. Oh, my goodness. Now, let me ask you this. Why would you want to be running for that position with that many residents? Well, I mean, I, I don't get to choose the size of the residents in, in the district, but um, right now it's, you know, I look at New York State and, and I look at my children and I, I, I loved growing up on Long Island. I had a great experience um, and I, I just see that future for them dwindling. I mean, New York over the last couple of years has become less safe. It's become almost to the point of unaffordable and the policies coming out of Albany and Washington are making it harder on the everyday person to just get by. Um, I, I would love for my children to be able to, you know, live on Long Island, raise their own families here, be prosperous. And it's just, it's not going on right now in Albany. And we're not, we're not helping ourselves by keep electing the same people who have put us into this situation. And you know what? You're right. Because there's two types of people. There's the, the complainers, which, doesn't make you bad. It's just that some people are, are like that and the other people are the doers. So you decided to jump on and do something. So where it's not just for you, because you didn't mention how you could benefit. It's for your children, the next generation, correct? Well, correct. And I, I think it all ties in. It is, it, it all is, it, there is also a selfish aspect of it because I, I do want my children to be able to be here. Um, I, you know, I, I have five young children aging from three and a half to 12. Um, I'd love for one day to be able to, you know, go to my grandchildren's games and not have to get on a plane to go see them. Um, I, I also do it for, you know, the people in my community who are struggling, people who, you know, don't necessarily have the skill set or what it takes to do this kind of work. Um, you know, I have a background in law. I'm an attorney by trade. I have a degree in political science and philosophy. Um, this is always something I've just been involved in. And it's something, quite frankly, that, that I think I can make a difference in. So I, I, at some point, it's a matter of duty of, you know, I, I think I have the skill set to be successful in this. So if not me, who else? I know you're right. That, and that's a great motivation. I myself have five children, but mine are a lot older. And I'll tell you what, out of the five, four are living at a state. 
yeah, and unfortunately that that's all too common. I mean, you know, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I, I graduated in 2000 and, you know, I hit 40 this year and I, I look around and most of my close friends growing up are, are, are gone. I, I mean, you know, I still have a handful of people that I, I grew up with, but my really close friends and, and they've gone to other places. I have friends in Florida and the Carolinas, in Massachusetts in you know, scattered throughout the country. And, and all of them talk about how they have a great quality of life and their expenses are substantially less than, than what it is here. I believe it. I, I do believe it because I have one child left here. And that is, of course, Alexa. So I am doing everything I can to keep her here on Long Island. So it's that's why it's important for all of us to get involved and make a change and make a difference. So you are an attorney. Where are you an attorney at? Where do you practice at? So um, I've owned my own private practice for I, I hit 10 years this year. Um, I, you know, I, I have an office in the village of Port Jefferson. And I'm also an assistant town attorney for the town of Brookhaven, where I handle all of our district court matters, whether it's, you know, um, quality of life issues and, you know, crimes against the environment. Oh, okay. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, interesting. Pretty cool. Alexa, uh, you want to start off with our first question or your first question? Yes. Why do you want to run for assembly office? Well, as I just previously explained, I, I see a problem in New York. I, I see New York becoming less safe. I see the policies coming out that are, you know, basically turning our criminal justice system into a revolving door. Criminals don't respect the law. There's no disincentive right now for people to, you know, um, be good, upstanding citizens. Um, and, and for those of the, and I mean, it's a small minority of, of the population, but that population creates a large problem for the masses. Um, I, I also see New York State is becoming unaffordable based upon terrible policy coming out of Albany. Um, it's just, if we keep going down this path, uh, we're, we're going to lose a lot more people. New York right now has, I believe, the largest outward migration of any state in the country. And right. we, we just keep coming up with anti-business, anti-taxpayer policies that are, are really hurting our taxpayers. And at some point, when is it enough enough? When is it that you stand up and say, you know what, if, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right. Now, why do you think Albany is like that, where it's just it's it's so ridiculous now with the these laws that are coming out? And I mean, why do you think that? I mean, does anybody else see that it's disastrous or is it just. just... Well, well, if you talk about, I mean, the people on you know the people on my side of the aisle, I mean, we've been screaming of it up and down. I mean, we've been yelling about it since they before they passed it. Um, on the left, we're seeing people, they're, they're either oblivious to it or, or they're purposely ignoring it because of what, whether it's the votes they've taken or, or the constituents that they believe are going to elect them. But it's, it's painfully obvious. And, and when these laws were put into place and they took away a lot of powers from the district attorney's office, from judges' offices, from judges' chambers, from law enforcement, you know, none of those groups I just talked about were given a seat at the table. These, these laws were implemented by non-law enforcement to be then enacted or, or these policies are then to be enforced by law enforcement and totally handcuffing the criminal justice system. That's, and you're right. And you're totally correct. Now, um, I had a lot of people do submissions on what are their main concerns through my website. 
And really, there's the top three and the only three that really came up. It's the same issues. Every email that came in was immigration, inflation, and bail reform. So I'm going to stay away from immigration because that's a whole other issue that changes from day to day, it seems like. But as far as inflation, you know, what can happen to bring that down? Or is it just going to stay at this level from now on? Well, I mean, it, it, this is kind of a twofold question because there's stuff that the federal government has to do and, and there's right. stuff that the state can do. Um, one of our biggest issues right now is, is as, especially as it's starting to get colder out, you know, it's starting to turn on your heat. And we have terrible energy policy, both on a federal level and on, and on a state level. Um, you know, back in, I believe it was 2013, you know, Liper was underperforming. So in typical Albany fashion, we took a problem and we made it worse. We, we stripped Liper of all its powers. We then contracted with a third-party non-state vendor or an out-of-state vendor who made who has basically doubled to tripled the cost of, you know, providing electricity to, to the residents of Long Island. Um, you know, you open your PSE&G bill every month and you see that the delivery fee is basically similar to your usage fee. Now, how, why that is, is that anything we generate here on Long Island is then sold to the grid. PSE&G then purchases it, jacks the price up, sends it back and hits us with the delivery fee. It, it's unsustainable. And simply getting out of that contract and coming up with a system where we can have a better oversight of, uh, of a LIPA and continue to keep the electricity and generate the power and keep the power we generate here on Long Island will substantially reduce the cost of, you know, electricity to the average Long Islander. We also have, as we move towards a more green energy and, you know, renewable, you know, renewable energy sources, we don't necessarily have the infrastructure in place to do that. So while, while we try and invest in the future of this, we are still relying upon fossil fuels right now. And, you know, no matter how much we want to pretend that we're not, we are. And New York right. State sits on a massive amount of natural gas. And so while we're putting away to the future so we can get to a point where we have all renewable energies, we should be looking to safely extract our natural gas and not only just, you know, produce it for the residents of the state, but also become a distributor of it and, you know, start to bring down the cost and also put some relief to the taxpayers so that it's not such a deficit of everything we're doing. Um you know, we, we the the left will tell you that right now we're we're in a crisis mode and we have to go to this, and we're going towards that. But we don't have the infrastructure in place to nearly support any of their goals, and financially, we are strapped and and we can't keep you know hitting up the backs of the taxpayers every time we want to put a new policy in place. So while we want to move towards those goals. We need to take sound financial steps so that we don't break the backs of the average taxpayer, so that we don't have people living in poverty and, and juggling bills. I mean, because that's the reality of what's going to happen for a lot of middle class homes this winter. Right. Um, you know, we just saw, you know, Fox, Fox Business that did a story over the summer that the, the average New Yorker is going to pay $717 more per month for goods and services that, you know, that includes the, you know, inflation of groceries and any goods you get. I mean, anytime you go to the store 
I, I, oh, I, I know. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I stopped at the supermarket literally about an hour and a half ago. I had two bags full of groceries, not a big haul. And it was $89 for literally what fit in two paper bags. It, it's disgusting. It, that is disgusting. And, 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 I know. That's, and that's not me buying multiple sets of meat. That, that's just, you know, everyday items say, hey, we're short on a few things. Can you pick this up? You know, especially with five children, I know what it's like. I, I do remember I used to push two shopping carts at the same time, pull and push, um, because that's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of food that you have to buy to keep up. These, and, you know, kids are like termites. They just, it's, you know. And, and the crazy thing was I, I wasn't purchasing anything outrageous. I mean, it, it was juice boxes. It, it was snacks for school lunches. It was you know, it, it wasn't like I was going buying steaks and cold cuts and, you know, my normal shopping day. This was right. just filling in the gap of like what was missing from the cupboards this week. You know, that's another thing. Hey, you put cold cuts right up there with steak because you know what? It's almost the same price. Right now, when you're paying fourteen ninety nine for a pound of ham, I, I mean, it, it's just unsustainable. And, and, yeah. and I mean, you're right. You're very, very right. Oh, my goodness. It, it's That's why it's so important for everyone to vote up there. They need to do their research and not vote. I always tell everybody, because I'm the same way, don't vote party lines. Right right now, you, you have to vote your wallet and you have to vote the safety of your family. Exactly. And, and that, that brings me to another point is with the increases that we're seeing, I mean, OPEC and Russia just came out and said they're going to reduce their output of oil, the barrels every month. Um, so, so we're seeing we're going to see an increase in crude oil um, that we we're, we're, if you look at the gas station every day, you can see it trickling back up. I mean, and when you're talking about home heating fuel, you're looking at diesel of close to six dollars a gallon again. But oh. it brings me to another point of the, that came out from Albany. And I don't know how there are Long Island elected officials that, that are in support of this. But congestion pricing is going to hammer us. It's going to be a backdoor tax on Long Islanders to solve a problem that is New York city centrist. It's the, with the that's, idea that that's not doable. No. And so with the idea that we're going to try and reduce congestion in lower Manhattan by um, picking up by, by increasing the costs of getting into the city, it, it's not going to reduce congestion. I mean, it, it's lower Manhattan. You have 8 million people living on a 13 mile Island. The second part of that is that it's not long Islanders that are creating that traffic. Yeah. That there are some long Islanders in there, but the overwhelming majority of, is from residents who live in the city. But in terms to us, we live on an island. We, we have no way of getting here without taking one of the bridges or tunnels. So everything that has to be shipped to us, it's now going to be an increase in costs, which is then going to be turned around as an increase to the merchants who are purchasing them. And then to the consumers, ultimately us, to solve a city issue that's not going to be solved for an MTA board that doesn't know how to manage their finances and who neglects Suffolk County and, you know, Long Island as a whole, as we don't even have a representative on the board. Oh, I didn't know that. So we, we, and these are the, these are the things that it's, it's one of these things that people say, Oh, well, we should be doing this because we do want to reduce congestion in the city. We do want to reduce low Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. My son's just working. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. You're a family guy. Okay. So, and that, that's one of these, that's one of those things you see is that the policies coming out is that it, it sounds great as a talking point, but it's, 
Aww. Okay, okay. But is that better? Okay. So, but as as a talking point, it sounds great. Yes, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna reduce congestion. And it's gonna help in the environment, and, and no doubt, it, it it may. But I mean, you're not gonna reduce congestion in Lower Manhattan. I used to work there. It's the one of the busiest areas in the world. Yes, it is. And and people, regardless of who they are, they're gonna need their goods and their services, and people are still gonna have to get through there. And that's where the high paying jobs are. We do not have any type of um, source here where people can, you know, like there's nothing big here. Grumman's not here. There's nothing big industry here to keep people here to make decent money. It's all in the city just about, unless you're in healthcare. <laughs> yeah, and so we, we have a whole lot of small businesses that have been around forever. And these this is what small business tourism is what drives Long Island. And the policies coming out of Albany are disproportionately affecting these small business owners, oh. and, and and it's 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 difficult to sit by and, and watch it happen, and it's dumbfounding how we have politicians from Long Island that are voting in favor of these bills that are going to hurt Long Islanders because of some ideology that says, oh, we should be doing this. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, the, the Democratic side lives in ideology where, where the Republican side we live in pragmatism and we have to we have, to we have to deal with the problems that we have now with actual solutions and not ideas of what could be um, and I say this you know we as legis- you know as legislators we need to look at the budget the way a family looks at their budget and that, that doesn't happen because as a family, when you look at your budget, okay, we have our mortgage payment, we have our cable bill, we have our cars, we have, you know, we, we have all the necessities of what we need. We have our internet, and we don't have that much left over at the end of the month, so we're not going out to eat, and we're not going to go on vacation. Well, as a state, we can't take care of what's very necessary. We have crumbling infrastructure. We have roads and bridges that are falling apart, yet we keep spending. We have a spending problem. Yes, I agree. And and with our outward migration, we now have a lower population than both the states of Texas and Florida. And a crazy statistic out there is that New York State's budget is more than Texas and Florida's budgets combined. Wow. Oh. That's bad, Lexi, right? Yeah. That's pretty bad. And, and this is the problem. And, and we keep electing the same people who keep going up and they, they just they're not getting the job done. And it's, it's one of these things that it, it might sound repetitive and people have said it, but the only way to really get through this is, is to go kind of line item by line item in the budget, figure out first, what are we overpaying? Because we have all sorts of contracts out there. We, we saw it with the governor. She gave a giant contract on the um, PPP stuff and the testing stuff for COVID at a triple the price of what it should have been and took a huge campaign donation from it. And we, we need to go get through those contracts and get rid of it. And then, you know, there's that phrase out there, death by a thousand cuts. We need to go through and, and just cut programs that are not working, cut programs that we funded forever, but there's no usefulness to them anymore. The, the only way to do this is through painstakingly long deliberations of getting that cost down because it's a detriment to the taxpayers and it's a detriment to the state. Especially now we're more and more high income earners are able to work remotely 
they're taking their large salaries and going to other states that are more tax friendly. Yeah, I so, can I, I can understand that. So so th- th- there's a lot that can be done that just simply isn't being done. Well, it, it does sound like you have the common sense. For me, that's what is needed to address those issues. Alexa, do you have another question? I do. Do you think my generation can have a sustainable future on Long Island? I, I think that I, I believe we can if we're, we're able to elect the right people. Um, we have some people specifically at the top of our ticket in, in, gov- in uh, Congressman Zeldin running for governor. And we, we have a lot of people running who want to go and get the job done. And we, there is always an ability to, to fix things. I mean, no matter how big the problem is, it, it can be solved through thoughtful legislation and un- understanding the needs of your community. And so right now, it's getting harder and harder. And like I mentioned, I, I have five young children. And I'm here because I, I want them to stay here. Long Island is a wonderful place to grow up. It's it's got great beaches. It's got the it's got some of the greatest fall scenery of anywhere. People spend thousands of dollars every summer to come here. So That's true. But but we, we we need to do it, and we're at a crisis point right now, both economically and in the way we deal with criminal criminal reforms. And so, you know, if we have a couple more years of what's been transpiring. One, it will be unaffordable and it will be virtually impossible for anyone except those extremely high income earners to stay. And on the other aspect of that, if the crime continues the way it is, our tourism dollars will come down because no one's going to want to come here. And you know what? And that's a fact. I'll tell you why. In my senior year, our class was going to go on a senior trip to New York City. I was uh, born and raised in L.A., so that's where we were. And all the parents voted that down because in 1986, New York City was a horrible place to be. It was just crime ridden. Oh, it was crime ridden. There was the crack epidemic. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't. I, I remember as a kid, then, you know, my father worked for, the, worked for the Long Island Railroad and we would go into the, to see something in the city. And it, it was like, you know, to, to get in there was like, take a private car, go in, stay close, hold my hands. Don't get out. You know, there was no such thing as, and you were worried about your safety. And for a while, it was cleaned up. I mean, you know, after, the, after that, we had, you know, Mayor Giuliani, and then again, Mayor Bloomberg, who, you know, did a really good job of making New York City a safe place. Yeah, they did. And then you look at what happened under the, the previous mayor, who criminal justice was, was not only frowned upon, it was you know, he, he was outwardly hostile to, to our law enforcement. And, you know, it, it was this whole targeting of the police are the bad guys and the criminals are the victims. Well, that's what the next issue I wanted to talk to you about is the bail reform. Now, we all know that, I mean, it can't be a coincidence that crime is way up. And I go to a community meeting with one of the precincts and they say, crime it went down this part went down uh thefts are down i don't really believe that they're really down i just feel like not everybody's reporting the crimes that happen so if they're not reporting it because they don't feel anything can be done what's the point of reporting a crime if they're just going to come back out again well unfortunately you're correct there because 
Let me try he sounds back. cute, Lexi, right? Yeah. So, so that is the correct. And like, I, like during this process of me running, I've knocked on well over five thousand doors, and that's the same thing as people go. You know, I, I call the police and I make a report, and someone comes and you know what's going to happen, and the police have to be honest and say, you know, we'll arrest them or we'll give them a field appearance ticket, and he'll be out in two hours. And then you know we we have rules that. And, and then we have rules that that that, that just uh, allow the revolving door, and there's no disincentive for the guy. I mean, you know, I I broke into 15 cars. I I made you know a thousand dollars. I gotta go spend two hours in jail. See a judge, let me out. No one's coming to look for me because I didn't come back to jail. I have a warrant out for my arrest, but. What does that do? No one's come to pick me up on a, on a minor crime like this. Exactly. You know, and so the, the, bill re- the bill reform law, um, from what I understand, when it was first, very even first thought of, it was, it was a well-intentioned, great law where the common man, I mean, made a mistake, maybe I uh, got a, uh, arrested for just say something with the tickets or uh, shoplifting or whatever. He can get out, go to work, and still go to his court date and not lose any income, not lose a job or anything like that. But now all these dangerous, violent crimes got added to the list. Well, the, the thing is that it was sold as a great idea. It was never a great idea. And what I mean is, so we, we do have some situations. And, and you know, I, I told you I do on a law practice. I, I did, you know, early in my career, I, I did a substantial criminal defense work. And there were some, there there were some egregious situations where someone, where someone had you know a, you know a, a low level crime, but they were not able to come up with the nominal bail of say a thousand dollars, and you end up sitting, and you you end up sitting in jail because you can't come up with that small amount of money, and and that's something that needs to be addressed, and that's something that, you know, when we talk about you know repealing cashless bail but but it, it needs to be replaced with a system that that doesn't allow that to happen but correct th- th- there's make no doubt about it i mean the, the legislature knew what they were voting on when they itemized every bill that's in el- every every um crime that's ineligible for bail i mean they labeled the sale of drugs as nonviolent. i know i i almost died when i read that they also have no bail on child pornography yeah so i could could be distributing you know you're seeing children being you know molested people are putting it up online for sale and somehow that's non-violent we also it also took any ability to you for a judge to use his discretion to determine the dangerousness of a defendant to the to the community and they can no longer they cannot take that years of experience before at, as working in the criminal justice system and being a judge and being elected, they are handicapped from using that ability to say, this person's a danger to the community. We need to set bail. And we're the only state in the country that doesn't allow for that standard. That's very sad. It's very sad. And I hope this huge, uh, when the election day comes, everybody will come out in just huge amounts and vote. That's so important. Alexa, your next question. Do you support our police department? Absolutely. 
so a little bit on my family history is I'm a twin. My twin brother's oh. been a police officer for the last 19 years. He was, you know, I was the so-called smart one. I went to law school and he, he went to become a police officer and can, you know, retire okay. at 41. <laughs> it sounds like he had a plan. Yeah. And so, um, and then, you know, I also have my grandfather was a Nassau County police officer. Uh, my uncle was an NYPD officer. My brother-in-law is over in the Suffolk County PD. I have various cousins throughout the departments and I was halfway through the tests of the, the police and going through the physicals and stuff like that when I started getting my acceptance letters into law school. So oh, that, that, okay. that was kind of always my fallback, but it was never really my path, but it was my fallback in case this law school thing didn't work out. Wow. And, that's, that's pretty smart. And so, and, uh, um, you know, and based on, you know, we go through as candidates, we go through screenings. Um, I have received the endorsements of just about every law enforcement statewide and locally. I, you know what? That's very impressive. It really, truly is, because that means that you really do stand with the police departments and support them. So absolutely. and that's what they need. Absolutely. I am. I am. I am non-apologetic pro-police. That's great. Um, th- these are these are people. The overwhelming mass, vast majority of them took this line of work because they want to make a difference in their community. They want to stand up for the people who don't have an ability to stand up for themselves. And you can see it. I mean, you know, I'm going to selfishly talk about my brother here. My brother was always the guy that would, you know, someone's getting picked on. He'd be the guy that steps in helping the people oh. that can't help themselves. Right. That's great. And, and, and that's the overwhelming majority of our police force. They put themselves in the line of danger to help strangers. I know. And it and, takes and a special the, person to do that. And the fact that right now the media and, you know, policies coming out of Albany, they're putting them, they're painting them or portraying them as, you know, cold hearted and they're the problem. The problem is those people who will perpetrate crimes on their community and on their neighbors. Right. And we have such a distorted view of what's going on in the state and in this country that it's, it's difficult to wrap your head around. It really is. It is. Alexa, do you have a last question or are you? No, done? that was my last one. That was your last one? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So how can people, do you have a website where people can go to, uh, to donate, to volunteer, because we still work. You're like in the home stretch. Absolutely, I, I do. So I have it's it's um flood for New York. Uh, I'm sorry, flood for ny.com. And then you know if if you just put me in on any in Google, I mean not Google, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you, you can find if you just put Ed Flood into your search bar, it will it will come up. I I have a personal page. I have a. Ed Flood for NY84 on Instagram and on Facebook, as well, as well as a Twitter. And you can see a lot of my content. There's some video up. Um, so th- there's a lot there. The, you know, the, there's always a donate link on that if someone wants to make a financial contribution. We are always, every Saturday and Sunday, we have people coming out of our, our headquarters. So if someone was interested in, in helping out, 
they can shoot an email, they can, you know, send a message through the, the website and, you know, someone will get back to them shortly. And it's easy to be a volunteer, whether it be canvassing, whether it be phone banking, uh, anything. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. some, some of it is simply taking a door hanger and, and just sticking on a door. I, right. I, I know a lot of people are uncomfortable knocking on someone's door and asking them to vote. And, but, you know, simply there's simple things and there's something that everyone can do, whether it's just, like you said, st- stuffing mailers or making phone calls or, you know, right. some people, we, we need people just to drive around and, and drive people who are willing to go and knock doors and talk to people. Oh, wow. Yes, I agree. Uh, do you have any events coming up? Um, right now, I do not. I mean, I, I have, we have some meet the candidates coming up. Okay. Um, we have one tomorrow during the afternoon, the Three Village Chamber of Commerce. Um, Thursday night, there's two between the Quorum Civic and the Middle Island Civic Associations. Okay. And, and so, and those are open to the public, correct? I believe so. Okay. Um, some, some of them you have to RCP, but I believe the two tomorrow night and the chamber, I, I believe those are all open. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's great. We wish you the best of luck. Yes. We really Thank do. Thank you very much. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. No, I, everybody is curious, you know, about the candidate, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more important for them to know what you're about, what your goals are, what you support, what your values are, so they can make a connection to say, you know what, that is the guy we share the same values, you know, um, I, I was drawn to the information I got from you, because, you know, I was like, well, this guy's easy. It's you're black and white and you're very transparent in what you believe in and what your goals are and what your values are. So that's why voters need to know, you know, be more informed and it's outlets like this and the meet and greets, meet the candidates and your events that puts you in touch with these people so they can see what you're about. Cause that's absolutely. what we need. Abs- absolutely. And I, I, I greatly appreciate I, I need to give props where they're due. And I, I think Alexa at such a young age, the fact that you're so engaged in, 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 in the community and so engaged in, in what's going on is unbelievable. And I, I wish more <laughs> of our youth would be more engaged in this type of stuff. Thank you. I think she listens to me too much. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ed. We appreciate it. That's Ed Flood for New York State Assembly, the 4th District. And we appreciate you taking the time. Five kids, God bless. Uh, away <laughs> yes. from your family to run a campaign so it's been, it's, it's been a lot on them but you know sadly enough i mean they all understand why and and that's unfortunately what, what we're seeing in the state and country that children are, are tuning in more when they should just be children but you know it is tough on them but i i have a seven-year-old that asks me every night how to go how's the campaign we're gonna win right daddy she even made a special Aww. she even made the special handshake for it Oh, that's so nice. Oh, well, you will make an impact, Ed, because you know what? You're gonna you're gonna pull this out. You're gonna do. You're gonna do it. Uh, your lips to God's ears. <laughs> like, like like Lee Zeldin says, we, that losing is not an option. It's not an option, and but you know what? I got a feeling that um, you're gonna be around for a while. Okay. Thank you, you very make much. That change. Hope, hopefully, not too long. <laughs> All right, thank you Ed, so much. We appreciate it. All right, have good. a good night. Thank, thank have you. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Leave a review and a rating. To get more info, you can follow me on Instagram at Catherine for Babylon and our website, her-community2.net. This podcast is sponsored by Catherine for Babylon. As always, thanks for listening.